This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined by Mawera Karatai. Mawera, what is going on? Everybody asks me that every day of my life, but I'm guessing you're talking about our video feed right now. <laughs> so um, when I booked Kenny, um, I had completely forgotten because I'd changed the time twice that Brooke was coming to do my hair. So uh, today it's Brooke and Maweta coming to you from Fakatani, and um, Brooke's here making my hair into some sort of presentable state, which I'm thankful for. <laughs> so welcome, Mawera and Brooke. <laughs> and who else are you introducing today? Um, we've got Kenny McCracken with us today, and um, Kenny is really well known in tourism circles here, and talk to you about what he does shortly. But what I think he should be known for also is his um, positive outlook in the face of um, uh, like a, a pretty terrible time that our tourism operators have faced in the Eastern Bay of Plenty. He um, has maintained a real voice for positivity, and I really appreciate that and admire that about him. So it's a real cool thing to get to talk to you today, Kenny. Thank you for giving us some time. Kia ora, marawai, and uh, so <laughs> And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. And um, yeah, it's, it's, I look forward to this chat with you. Kia ora, Sam. So, Kenny, how was your bubble life? Um, it wasn't too bad, to be honest. Uh, we came back a little bit before level four lockdown because we've been overseas and uh, we were already doing self-isolation. And um, I think it's the first time in um, 20 odd years that uh, we didn't have to be anywhere at any particular time. And we didn't have any kids around because the only kid that stays with us these days, he couldn't join our bubble, obviously. So it was sort of a little bit like being on holiday in your own backyard, but we do have a lifestyle block. So there's um, not really any excuse for not doing um, plenty of work every day. But yeah, there was certainly no pressure, which I guess is the, the difference, isn't it? Because normally we're all rushing from A to B or B to A and meeting so-and-so. And that just stopped, which was very unusual. Where were you overseas? Um, we'd gone back to Scotland. You can tell by the accent, obviously, if you... <laughs> You've got people listening. And um, it was my mother-in-law's 80th birthday, my father-in-law's 81st, my aunt's 82nd, and my niece's 16th, all within about nine days of each other. So there was a good reason to go, but it was um, a high-risk operation because when we left, which um, was the 1st of March, things were really beginning to spin very fast around the pandemic. So, yeah, it was um, an interesting trip. I think I was... 
I think I was due to leave to go, in fact, in fact, to Scotland. I think I was due to leave on like the 7th or 8th of March. And I think just okay. in that time, it became, no, let's not go. Yeah, I think that's a very good choice. I think if we perhaps gone, you know, a few days later, we would have cancelled it as well. Yeah, but things were starting to change rapidly um, in terms of um, borders closing and airlines uh, beginning to think whether they were going to fly places. So, yeah, we were a little bit concerned about being stuck outside the country back then, although um, the government never really closed the border completely, did they? So that was no. a bit of a... But we've had some really? interesting. We've had some interesting descriptions of people having to, um, you know, spend twenty four hours on the air side of a particular border in Vancouver or something because they weren't allowed to move and things. But you got back all right, obviously, because mm. you're here. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and um, there was no drama at the airport whatsoever. If anything, actually, was quite. Uh, all we did was fill in a questionnaire. We never spoke to anyone uh, really about uh, where we'd been and what what had happened, but. I am married to a public health nurse who works in immunization, so we took it very seriously. We left the airport and uh, we went straight to our vehicle and uh, we drove straight home other than grabbing some water from the McDonald's drive-thru so we didn't actually have to speak to anyone. And once we got here, we got in and locked our gate and that was it, really. Yeah, but, you know, it was... I, I think, you know, in the beginning, not everyone was taking it seriously, but a pandemic's a pandemic and a... You know, we could already see um, in the UK and what happened in Italy and Spain, you know, how quickly things can change. So, um, yeah, it was good reason to do the right thing. So what sort of tourism are you involved in? Uh, yeah, for quite a number of years now, um, I've been working uh, in the, I have a kayaking business. I run kayak trips um, here out of Hewa Harbour, where we live. Uh, and also out at Motohora, Whale Island, which is just nine kilometres off the coast from Fakatani, and uh, also on the Fakatani or Hopi coast as well. So we, got, we have a few things running. And um, recently, well, the last couple of years, I've just been developing a bike tour business as well because we live very close to the Motu Trails. Give the Motu Trails a plug here, if anyone's listening. Uh, and uh, one of New Zealand's great rides. And um, there's an opportunity and a growing opportunity there. I think, sure, the border's closed at the moment, uh, and um, we were kind of hopeful that we could build in those international visitors. But um, in the meantime, we'll just uh, we'll just bide our time till they return, I think, really, because the border won't stay closed forever. You know, there's either going to be a resolution around a vaccine um, or we're going to have a new strategy for people coming in and out of the country. So one so way or another, it won't stay closed So you obviously forever. haven't been taking people kayaking during lockdown, but did you work from home? Um, yeah, I did, I did work from home. I mean, I have been operating at level two, but it, it would normally be our quiet season anyway because, uh, you know, September through to the end of May is really my busiest time. So um, in some ways, we're quite fortunate that, uh, you know, the, the lockdowns have been during our quiet time. So, yeah, it hasn't been too bad. But, I mean, there's, there's, there's usually a few people around and usually a few international people around at this time of year, but obviously they're gone. But um, I guess when I was talking, with Mawera about you know the future of tourism in the Eastern Bay, I was thinking that because we are predominantly a domestic visitor uh, destination anyway, you know, with about eighty percent domestic visitor spend, you know, we sure we've lost um, one fifth of our um, income in these parts, but you know it can be replaced, and people just have to work a bit smarter, perhaps look after the costs a bit more, um, and. Um, and, and make the most of what's here. You know, we're very close to the population base of uh, the Waikato in Auckland. 
And um, I think we need to maximise that a bit more. So, yeah. So did the numbers come back, recognising it was winter, but did they come back uh, in level two? Well, my bookings are looking all right further down the track. Yeah, I mean, it still hasn't really picked up yet, but um, I have quite a lot of regular businesses come as well as the business social groups, youth groups, that sort of thing. And um, they've been rebooking. I mean, like everybody else, no one actually knows when you book anything these days whether you'll actually be able to get there. Um, but, you know, generally, I mean, you know, to put a positive spin on it, yeah, you know, I just say to people, well, let's book it in. Let's make them, you know, plan as if it's going to happen. And if it doesn't, hey, we'll come up with another strategy. So, um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm reasonably optimistic. Bookings are looking, are looking all right. And, um, yeah, I just got to work on that a little bit harder to get that business to replace the internationals. I'm going to slot in the first of your music choices. Let's have Deacon Blue.
So tourism around Whakatane has been doing it hard over the, the last year or so. Are, 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 are tourism operators positive by design? Uh, I'm not sure they're all positive by design. I mean, certainly with the Whakari eruption uh, followed by... But, um, yeah, it's it's been challenging. But um, I actually... I mean, for White Island tours, obviously it was, it's was it been a disaster, but I don't think it actually diminished the domestic visitor numbers at all over our summer period. And um, as I said you know, earlier, you know, 80% of our visitor spend is domestic. So um, White Island tour kind of operate in a different bracket from the majority of other operators here in the Bay um, in the sense that they were one of those um, iconic activities that international visitors uh, had to do when they came to New Zealand. And so they tended to attract a slightly different market from the rest of us. Um, so although it's been tough, you know, I don't think it's ever been pretty easy in the Eastern Bay Plenty to be a tourism operator because we're off the beaten track anyway. Um, so I believe we've always had to be a little bit smarter just to stay in the game. What got you into tourism, into to kayaks and, and then into bikes? Um, well, I was always, I've always kayaked 10, 11 years old. I've been kayaking for a long time, but um, it, primarily the reason because of where we live. So we live uh, off Iwa Harbour between... And um, the opportunity really just came from a conversation I had with a good key mate of mine um, who now lives in Dunedin, funnily enough. And uh, it kind of just spun from there. And in the beginning, it was just a little part-time something to do. And so it just kept growing, really. And he disappeared off the scene, and I just kept growing it. And then one day, I just had to make that decision about whether I was going to go full-time and make myself too. I was going to stop. I bit the bullet, as it were, and kept going. That, that was the end of 2014. You weren't out kayaking during the lockdown but did you get out and get some exercise uh yeah i mean we have a lifestyle block so there's always plenty to do to do a lot of firewood so <laughs> got ahead and too much firewood as you and um and also with all the other jobs in here into pruning and what have you um there was plenty of exercise there but yeah i um you know we had a couple of close to the house that we walked the dog as well every day and then you know i've got a, a small gym set up here as well so yeah there was always something to do I go. I get bored anyway if I were physically active. So you have have to be doing something. And in this new lockdown, lockdown two, where you are, are you still able to to take people out, or has it put a stop to that for a bit? No, it hasn't put a stop to that. Um, you know, we're certainly still open, but as it's been really quiet. For the, you know, despite the big um, spend up after we all came out of the first lockdown, and there certainly was um, a burst of activity. Um, people have repeated a little bit from there. What I'm getting in the moment is things further on, you know, September, October, November, and um, and January even, but not so much right now. But that that would be normal in because August is the quietest month of the year, and wise Eastern Bay Plenty. Uh, so you know, it's nothing too unusual. I've been doing a digital market digital marketing shop with a, a young fella called David. I'll give him a plug from, and um, he certainly knows his stuff, and that's been very educational. But um, get, there's a lot to get your mind around. So, are you a glass? half full person anyway uh yeah i think they've got life there's always some change coming you know i think in new zealand you know you we're never that far away from happening our way where it's an earthquake or volcano or nami or whatever is getting threatened and i think you always just have to be mindful of that living here and when you look at the history of natural disasters on these islands you know they're, they're pretty frequent and so you know yeah i think you just um yeah you can't be too uh put off by life challenges because there's always something coming isn't there you know um i, I think when i um you know i think back to when i left university a few years back uh, and scotland was in recession the unemployment rate in percent now 15 percent 
unemployment would freak most people out here. It would be unacceptably high. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, me, uh, all the other, uh, all my mates that graduated at that time, you know, everybody just boxed along and battled through. And most of us have done all right since then. And, um, I mean, no one's, no one's got a right to an easy life, have they? So I just think, yeah, you've just got to kind of take it and make the best of it. My son is a, cool. my son is a kayak guide out at, um, on Doubtful Sound. Um, oh, and he's, he's um, studying here, also finishing his geography degree at the moment, and he heads out surfing in, in a kayak in the surf um, mm. in the most atrocious weather. I point out the atrociousness of the weather, um, and he takes much delight in res- res- um, responding to me with the, the maxim from Outward Bound, that you can be cold, wet, and miserable, or you can just be cold and wet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's good. Yeah. Has he, has he been on Outward Bound, has he? Yes, he was on it, went out on Outward Bound when he was about, I don't know, 16 or something. And then he did, I've forgotten what it's called, Andy Thompson's um, course, the Outdoor Leadership Program, and then went to work for Go Orange in, on Doubtful Sound. He's done that for right. the past four or five seasons um, until it oh, came to an abrupt halt this year. Yeah. They'll be more reliant on those, I would have thought. Yeah, and they had they had a terrible season anyway. For some reason, the international wow. tourists just weren't there um, before the before the lockdown or before the before the Chinese stopped coming. Um, they oh, were yeah. already yeah. already sort of sitting around twiddling their thumbs. Um, and mm. although he did get this summer to go off on other adventures because they weren't actually working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's his glass half full side, doesn't? Yes, indeed. Make the best of it. Um, funnily enough, uh, my son also went on Outward Bound. From what I've heard from people previously, you know, it kind of has a long term and the participants, um, you know, they come back buzzing about it, but it actually it sets some things in place and for the rest of their life. Uh, yeah, I've just heard so many good things about it. I kind of wish I'd had the chance when I was that age to do something like that. It seems like a kind of character forming experience. I wonder if it scales. We probably can't send everybody to that one place because that would kind of spoil the experience. But I wonder if, if we could take things from it and, and find a way of, of multiplying that up a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. They, you know, you can't send everybody there. But, yeah, there's perhaps different ways and different programs with other sections of the population signing up for that. And, I mean, I think they're very – they obviously have learned a lot over their sitting outward bound. They know how to challenge every individual that comes through the – the door and um that's, i kind of picked that up from what my son recounted about it about you know they kind of design the program a little bit for each person or they make the challenges a little greater just depending on who they're dealing with or, and um i guess at the end of the day it's all about developing the individual and they must be um, experts at that but. yeah i mean that's a that's right when oliver was doing it they had, they had a big run to do and for him it was can you break the record but other people on, oh, yeah. the, on the course it was you know, can you can you run half of it and walk the other half? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and it comes down to that thing, doesn't it? And what you want, isn't it? You want your you want your kid to be doing the best, and that's what we should be doing as individuals, whether we're adult or kids or whatever. If you're doing your best, you can't do much more. And maybe we need to be thinking that other people are also doing their best, and and lighten uh, up lighten yeah. up somewhat on on people that are trying to to do things and might not be perfect, but they're trying. No, that, that's right. You know, you've got to sometimes acknowledge that people are trying their hardest. Steve isn't exactly what was desired. Yeah, you're right. We should uh, celebrate that a little bit more, I think. Mawera, that's your job. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. 
Kia ora koutou, you're all having this day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universal. And I really hope this journey that all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very nourishing, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day who you are, the triumph of nature, perfect, unique and here making things better. Thank you. So as you know, I'm still in recovery mode, having had a very exciting adventure at Stuneden Public Hospital, and I have not yet returned to my heart's home workplace, Otokanoa Eco Sanctuary, but I'm determined to next week. And I have had the opportunity, and I'm so grateful, to be extensively cared for at the Mighty War Mansion and spend more time with my beautiful partner Harvey Penfold, Poirot and Hastings, the beautiful cats. Now Wahine Atahuat, Heihe HQ, the beautiful hens, and indeed all the flourishing life that surrounds at all times, and I'm so grateful for this opportunity. So it's been very nice for me, of course, to experience some different ways of being, including taking things more slowly and gently, allowing myself to rest, allowing those around me to show their support for me and help me with things, delegating my multiple layers of responsibility onto other highly skilled, wonderful, wonderful people that surround me and really appreciating the opportunity to be helped and to ask for help and feel comfortable about those. So I really hope that for all of you, with the various shifts that are taking place around us all at the moment, you are having the opportunity to do this, to take rest when you need it, to ask for help and be supported and enjoy feeling that love and support that is always there for you, not only from other human animals, but from all life of which we are connected to in an infinite web. So it's been raining a lot here in Autiporti, Sun Eden, and I love the rain. I love the song of the rain, the sound of the rain, and I love that we as a species of animal of course have our own music and have our own form of language beyond words that's so inspired by of course all the soundscapes that surround us and i think that rain of course has been ever present in our lives and for billions and billions of years has been inspiring all life and supporting and connecting all life as it does now of course as it cycles endlessly over and over as part of the water cycle so I've been enjoying allowing myself to rest and listen to the rain and think about all of the water tanks out at Orokanui Eco Sanctuary filling up the beautiful Waimari the eels pond getting lots of fresh oxygenated water in it for her so she'll have more energy to swim around and be a beautiful turner I'm looking forward to seeing her next week and of course, for all of the beautiful native plants that are out there who are getting ready to do their thing and make beautiful blossoming, fragrant flowers, all of this rain will be giving them additional support in terms of creating that sweet and enticing, beautiful, life-giving nectar, which of course in turn will feed our many beautiful native birds and invertebrates, geckos, all sorts of relationships, I'm sure, of which we don't even know that we're finding out about now 
I know that all the lichens and the mosses and the ferns need the rain to move the gametophytes around so they can make babies and a beautiful cladonia needs the rain to fall in that splash cup so its babies can be dispersed around. So I've been really enjoying feeling the support of that awareness that is always there for us to sink back into, that awareness that we all are, that we all possess and that we can access in these times of stillness and rest. So I hope that you're all having the opportunity to tune in a bit and find peace and relief there and I'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kakite. Kenny, we've seen lots of changes, societal level changes over the last few months. What do you think is going to stick and what do you hope will stick? Um, I think the obvious one is that um, a lot of people are working more from home and uh, I hope that will stick in some way because um, we've um, spent way too much time commuting to our workplace or to and from our workplace, which is quite time consuming for some people. And also there is uh, an environmental impact with that as well. Obviously, we're driving one person in the car is driving, you know, one hour every day and the fossil fuel emission and all the rest. So um, perhaps, you know, it's not so obvious. There are plenty, but um, the people I talk to in the UK, uh, like in London and, 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 and Scotland and what have you, you know, that's definitely what's changing for them. Uh, one of my real close uh, mate was commuting an hour and a quarter each way on a motorway. Uh, and he's not doing that at all. And he's a fortune himself in terms of fuel costs, but also vehicle running costs. And um, when I spoke, to him, I spoke to him last Sunday, he actually said he may never really need to go back to the office again. Because uh, when he does need to speak to his work colleagues, you know, they're just a phone call away. So although they, they shared an office, they were all working. And he actually works for the office. Okay. Um, but other people, my brother's one is for a bank. He hasn't been in the office for or since March. And uh, he's got, you know, a relatively uh, high-level management job with a bank. Um, but same thing, he doesn't need to be there either. And I cannot believe that we'll go back to having to work five days in an office and, and all the commuting costs that go with that. I just think that's going to change permanently. And it's a good thing, you know. I think people are also more productive, lots of more productive home office. Obviously, it does suit everybody. I think once you get set up and you establish some routines, then it works well. All of a so, sudden, we've discovered yeah. that things that we couldn't possibly change we can change. That's exactly right. You know, I mean, it's different. Whenever you bring about across a big organization, always a challenge to get everybody on board. But that, that, this particular change has been forced onto organizations that have had to do it. And so that now they're beginning to see the benefits of allowing people that flexibility. Um, you know, the job gets done, perhaps even getting done better. And um, customers are still happy. And uh, the business is saving money. So, yeah, it's got to be got to be a permanent for sure. I think the only concern with that could become even more distant socially. I mean, social media has already kind of, in some ways, stopped us actually talking face to face. And if we take some of that office interaction away as well, that's perhaps a concern for mental well-being and what have you, that they don't interact with each other, you know, in near proximity. Do you think we're looking at a, a recovery or are we going to actually take this opportunity for a reset seriously and do something different? <sighs> I'd love to think reset the tourism industry because I think there was pretty big negatives building there. As I'm sure you're aware, you know, some places in New Zealand were already overcrowded. Um, for example, well, Queenstown surely has its spots, but also places like uh, Cathedral Cove and the Coromandel and the Tongariro Crossing and what have you. You know, there were just too many people and it was taking away the value of, um, of those locations. Um, and there has been talk, certainly in the about having that reset, but as far as I can tell, it's just been talk. I don't think we will. I think we'll just plough straight on again as soon as the border opens up because people are driven by money. 
too often. Is it just that, or are we perhaps addicted to to being busy? I'm, I'm thinking that during lockdown four and to a lesser extent three, there were moments when we all thought this is quite nice. We're, this this slowing down is is a is a thing we, we we're quite enjoying. But then, as soon as we were allowed, we all rushed back to being busy. Um, yeah, I think that some of that depends on the individual. I mean, some people like to be busy. Look at Malweather. And um, I think it suits them, but it wasn't all bad. It's probably more about that thing about having a bathroom for, you know, you've got to balance your working life and social life as well. And I think we're realizing that, you know, if you have a sedentary occupation, you're sitting in your bum all day, it's not actually healthy for you. Um, and so I, I believe we're still trying to figure that stuff out. You know, our economy's changed, involved means a lot of us do anything on their backsides, or making, uh, dealing with computers and sending emails and answering phone calls, et cetera. But that's not actually what we evolved to be, is it? We've evolved, we evolved to be an active species. And so uh, right now we're kind of working against that. And so we do need an overhaul of how we live, I believe. It's important to get that balance. I think your physical health and your mental health, Malwara mentioned earlier, are interlinked. So, you know, if you're going to do, if you're going to perform well at work, you need to be physically as well. What do you think we can learn for the, the bigger questions that we face as a society? Uh, the, the pandemic is quite a major one, but it's it's relatively short term. What about the longer term things, the so climate change and social justice and so on? Can we take anything from how we've responded? I think the 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 one thing with the pandemic that you know we realise to be a solution, we have to work across borders to find those. Um, and sometimes that's difficult because of the way politicians behave. I think most uh, most of the um, population in New Zealand and every other country would be quite happy that the vaccine was shared across borders. Um, but we're not very good at that sometimes. Countries get in competition with each other too much, and it's to the detriment of us all at the end of the day. And I think when it comes to climate change, there's certainly a, a growing need that we all work all work together for a common goal. But of course, we're still going to deny climate change exists. So we've got some challenges. But I understand, um, for example, the vaccine development that's going on at Oxford University, uh, because I know somebody that's sort of linked to this, not not directly in the vaccine development, but in another another way, that a lot of those scientists are involved in that kind of research and vaccine development, you know, they're very, they're used to working together and they're very committed to working together across borders. The borders are really for them and um, cooperation and sharing of knowledge and uh, technology, it's what they do all the time. But as I say, when it comes to actually getting the vaccine, rolling the vaccine out there across the globe, it'll be politicians that get in the way of happening. Uh, and that lack of uh, international cooperation. I mean, you can kind of hear it from, um, not to have a go at Trump all the time, easy target, but when America won't support the World Health Organization, we've got some, um, we need international bodies to be respected and to be supported if we're going to make progress, whether it be climate change or pandemics or, or rising sea level or whatever it's going to be. Um, so the, the, the problems that face us of a global nature can never be you know by one country. We need to find new ways to work together. One of the thing it has done is shown the interconnectedness of the systems that we work. That the well, it's not directly environmental, although you can consider the virus to be a, an environmental factor. But it's certainly shown how interconnected the the human the health and economy are. That you know, it's the, the response that we've seen, particularly here, but also around the world, is that we've you can't have economy without health. It's shown how those systems are connected, which might have some benefit for those those other questions as well. We're certainly being becoming more and more connected, and I, I know although there's talk about rolling that back, we'll we'll continue once the pandemic dies down to build those links and and become more interconnected. Each country will have its own speciality, um, 
there's just that uh, that growing rivalry between China and the United States is obviously a threat to all of us. So really, we have to we may have to make sure we have a voice in terms of what's happening there.
Moira, can we have a hair update? I can tell you, it now looks like you. It now looks like you're a conspiracy theorist wearing a tinfoil hat. No microwaves. No microwaves. I am. I'm feeling very like I'm. I'm cooking up some very pretty hair, so that's a nice feeling. Interesting. Talking about the 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 sort of the the increase in the conflicts between China and America, especially in context of the um, the reports in the news today um, about, you know, basically China telling Australia to stop your whining. Um, you, you wanted us in here, so now we're in here and, and now you're, yeah, it's quite interesting sort of changing dynamics there. Uh, I think we're having a bit of a reset in relations with China right now. I'm not quite sure how that's going to play out, but um, I think we have to be wary in our dealings with China for sure. They don't have a great record on human rights and um, what's happening in Hong Kong has kind of gone off the news now. But what happened in Hong Kong uh, was not a step forward, really. Mm. And I think those are warning signs for the rest of us, you know, although, you know, China sees that as their backyard and never made pretense otherwise. So, yeah. They've been around a long time and they play a long game. Yeah, I think they do play a long game. You're right. I it's it's a tricky one, isn't it? I think they're they're having it. There's going to be change in the Chinese population as well, you know, the Chinese demographic. I think they're looking at an aging population towards the end of the century, aren't they? So they'll have some other challenges <clears throat> that we might not have. Some questions to end the show with. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Oh, blimey, that's a tricky question. Um, I think if you look at the things that matter in life, it's about your family and your kids. So I am really uh, pretty happy with the progress of my kids. One of them just finished university and is a lawyer now, and the other one's about to graduate from Auckland University in urban planning. So when you put so many years into something, when you look at the total number of years you put into something like that, that's what really matters. Is um, And I think that's the same for all of us, isn't it? At the end of the day, you, know, you, you put a lot of time and energy into your kids hoping that at the end of the day, they'll be able to stand in their own two feet and be good citizens and make good choices. And um, when they get to that point or they start showing signs of that, I think, yeah, that's something to, you know, something to feel satisfied over for sure. I think everything else, you know, it <laughs> feeds into that. Day. Whether, whatever you do work-wise, career-wise, if you've got a family, your total focal point is success of the family. And, um, you know, what, the other thing is, you know, as an as well, I'm going to say that. I mean, one of the reasons I hoped um, my kids would do well in a place like New Zealand, because I always saw it as a land of opportunity. And, um, yeah, I'm just pleased to see that they're kind of making the most of that right now. Yeah, you know, things can change, but, yeah, that's definitely the most important thing. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people mm. doing good work. So you're on our team. What is the superpower that's got you into the mansion? I like working with, I've always liked working on different, a range of different jobs. Um, and some of those jobs have been about transforming other people's lives. I've run a few motivational programs in the past for unemployed people and what have you. And um, sometimes I still see them around and often these are really positive conversations. So, yeah, I just, uh, I think, um, Maura, you're not too different. You like working with people too. I do enabling others to get ahead um, and I think that's what it's about in society I, I, what really has riled me in New Zealand in the last 15 years is that we've become a society that the gap between the top and the bottom has got so much and some people are clearly being left behind um, you know when when you start having homeless in a town like Fakatani, I really wondered where the hell we were going as a country um, I, I, and Fakatani is not you know, by any means I know that many other towns in New Zealand face similar problems but 
you know, to be a successful country, the whole of society needs to move forward. We can't all be, you know, there'll always be people who are more successful than what have you, but I think it's how you bring everybody forward as a measure of a government success at the end of the day. And um, there was a period there when some people, well, a lot of people doing very well, but some people in the other parts of society have been left behind and doing it really tough. And I don't think that's anything we can feel particularly proud about. I think that's something we really need to address. I think the government is starting to, but there's still a long way to go. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Um, not as much. I've just been too busy with business, to be honest, last year. Um, I kind of keep tabs on a few things, but I'd like to be particularly sure. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, what motivates me? Um, yeah, uh, well, there's the family thing, obviously. The desire to do it, that's definitely a pile. And um, business success uh, is important, but it's a means to an end at the end. You can show your family you're doing well. And um, obviously, you have food on the table, you have a roof over your head, your family are in good health. Those are all great things. And anything else really past that. So I think there was, I'm always kind of mindful of that. But, you know, lots of people don't have food on the table, a roof over the head, or health. Uh, if you look around the world and those three things for me are a lot to be grateful for but you have to work towards them if you ask me what gets me up in the morning it's those things in life and um, being mindful that they're there but they can't be taken for granted what challenge are you looking forward to in the next year or so uh yeah the, <laughs> business is obviously going to be a challenge as we talked about um so yeah it's not a challenge i want most of it you know to, to think that at this time next year you know i can we can say well we the best of the opportunities that were there um, but um, I think, you know, you never stop learning. As I was saying there, you know, I'm doing the digital marketing course at the moment and, um, you know, I'm learning a lot from that. And I think that's important you to get brain active as well and you try and learn. And also we had planned by 20, sorry, 2021 to be doing a bit more traveling, ironically, when, uh, <laughs> when we finally get out the house. But whether that happens, I don't know. Certainly that's what I was, you know, that was our bigger plan to be able to move around a bit more. But, but that might have to be put on hold for a while. You'll have to go sightseeing. Uh, Sightseeing via Google Earth. Yeah, and stuff out there. You don't have to leave your leave your office really to have a look at the planet. Yeah, I think you know the travel things. You know, getting the getting your kids sorted is everything. Once you got your kids sorted, then you can think about other things. So yeah. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Uh, yeah, stay positive because there's always a sunny day coming or sunnier days coming. Even in the even in the darkest times, when you sort of. I'm fairly sure of that along life's, life's journey. You know, sometimes you think can't possibly this bad and it won't get better. I'm going to protect bad for some people in certain circumstances, but, you know, there are always funny, sometimes from the most unexpected places too. Thank you very much for that. Thanks for your time, boy. Thank That's you. all right. Moira from Under the Tinfoil Hat. <laughs> um, I'm with Kenny. There's, uh, there is always the sunshine's always coming. We... Um, we have got so much to be thankful for and things could be so much worse than they are. So that just is a very nice reminder. Thank you very much to, um, to you know, no matter what's happening, it's always going to get better. And then it will get worse and then it will get better and then it will get worse. But yeah. um, on balance, it's all pretty good. Yeah, we're lucky we live in New Zealand. Yep, here, here to that. Yeah. Thank yeah. you very much for joining us. Thank you both. Enjoy the chance to talk about stuff I don't usually talk about.
it, you touched it, you saved it. My tears are drying. My tears are drying. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. My blindness. While I'm worth my room on this earth, I will be with you. While the chief with sunshine on. their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We've had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. We're listening to Proclaimers Sunshine on Leith. 
I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Mawera Karatai and Kenny McCracken in Fakatani. Mawera's hairstyling today was provided by Brooke. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.